I'm excited to preach to you today. I hope you're excited to hear what I'm going to preach to you today. In the middle, part two. If you missed last week, you should go to YouTube and listen to that and check it out. But today we're going to go to the book of Mark chapter 6, verse 41 through 56. We're going to drop 15 Bible verses today. 15 of them. You remember when you were 15 years old? Some of y'all has been a little bit. It's been a little bit. Mark chapter 6, verse 41. There's a couple of good stories in here. There's actually three of them in here today. Mark 6, 41 says, Jesus took the five loaves and two fish and looked up towards heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to all the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share, and they all ate as much as they wanted. That's a good Bible verse right there. Verse 43, And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. That's a good story. It's the feeding of the 5,000. That's one of them. But there's some more. Verse 45, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. And after telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. And late that night, the disciples were in the boat in the middle of the lake and Jesus was alone on land he saw that they were in serious trouble rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves and about three o'clock in the morning Jesus came toward them walking on the water he intended to go past them many of you know the story that Jesus walked on water but you didn't know that part of the verse you didn't know that how many of y'all knew that Jesus intended to go past them? You didn't know. Nobody's raising their hand. Jesus was going to walk on by them. And some of y'all are like, why would he do that? Because I think he knew they were going to be all right. He intended to go past them. But when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. And they were all terrified when they saw him. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Do not be afraid, he said. Take courage I am here then he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped they were totally amazed for they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves their heart were their hearts were too hard to take it in and after they had crossed the lake they landed at Genesaret they brought the boat to shore and climbed out and the people recognized Jesus at once and they ran throughout the whole area carrying sick people on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, in villages, cities, or the countryside, they brought the sick out to the marketplaces. They begged him to let, him, let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched him were healed. That is power-packed scripture right there. And there's so much going on in there. And today I want to use that to share the second part of our series in the middle. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day, for everyone here. 
I just pray that as we share from your word today, that it will speak to each of our hearts. I pray, Father, that this won't just be a casual sermon, but I pray that this will speak something into us, not just to us, but into our lives that awakens our faith and causes us to believe you and to trust you and follow you more than we ever have before. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in this place today. Use me, Lord, to be a vessel that you work through. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Start out with a story. I love to read the scripture and then tell you a story because I think it sets the scene. Um, I was on staff at my home church in Louisiana, and we had three main pastors on staff that would meet with people regularly. And uh, we always had a few people that would just show up, no appointment, no nothing, just show up and want to talk and uh, would like to talk for hours. You ever had those people show up in your office and just talk for hours and hours? And there's a few people who was fine, but there are some people who was like, I need to get out of here. Somebody come rescue me. You ever been in a meeting like that before or, or, or on a phone call? And you just needed someone to come and rescue you from that phone call because it just would not end. And so we were having these issues pretty regularly. And so we sat down one day at lunch and said, we've got to help each other out. Because you know there's certain people when they show up that there's a possibility this is going to be a very, very long meeting. And so what if we look at each other's schedules to know who we're meeting with, and after a certain period of time, we would set up some way for us to buzz in on the phone system and let you know that your next meeting is here. And it wasn't necessarily lying, because some of you think that we were doing, because usually those meetings happen before lunch, and we needed to have a lunch meeting. Amen? You're, you're infringing on my lunch time. And we had to have a lunch meeting, and so we, um, we created this little buddy system to rescue each other from uh, these long meetings, and so we would buzz in on the office phone, and uh, my pastor's name was Scott, and we would buzz in, hey, Pastor Scott, I apologize for the interruption. I know you're in the middle of a really important meeting right now, but don't forget your lunch meeting starts in five minutes. Some of y'all are feeling a little offended by this right now. Some of you are getting ideas. It's like, let me write this down. I'm talking to my office assistant tomorrow. If the preacher's doing it, I'm going to do it. Let's go. Cynthia and I, uh, we use code words when we have to go to different gatherings and uh, to let each other know it's time to leave. Anybody else do this or are we just weird like that? I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. So um, how many of you seen that show, Four Christmases? They had the key word. It was called mistletoe, and we adopted it. And so if we're at the little Christmas party, and it's time to go because things are getting like it's time to go. I'll just look around and say, man, anybody kissed under the mistletoe yet this year? And everybody knows. Start getting your stuff together because we <laughs> are about to leave. And you got to find a way out. you got to find a way through especially when you're in the middle of things. You got to find a way out or you got to find a way through. Over the last few weeks, I've heard just several, just sermons 
I, just my attention been drawn to Mark chapter 6, and I'm trying like to not do it, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, Lord, you keep showing me uh, Mark 6, and uh, I don't want to copy another preacher, but it just keeps coming, and so I got it, all right? Yeah. You ever pray for a sign from the Lord, and he gives you signs? Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, I don't know if it's from the Lord, and the Lord's like, I gave you a sign. How many do you need? And so it's like, okay, Lord, I get it. I got it. Um, and so it keeps popping up for some reason, and so I drew the conclusion, well, I guess I need to hear this, so I paid attention, and then I kept hearing it more and more and seeing it, and then I just assumed, well, I guess you need to hear it too, and so I got some things from there that I want to share with you today. So the disciples, they find themselves in the middle of the lake, and of course, this is one of those incredible stories because Jesus walked on water. And if you read it in one of the other Gospels, we see that Peter actually walked on water. And I want to confess to you to this day, every summer since I was a little boy, I've always attempted to walk on water. And I plan to do it again this summer just to see if it's going to work. And I will let you know if it works, okay? I thought that would be a little more funny that didn't work. And these disciples, though, they're in the middle of this lake, and uh, the storm pops up. And if you've ever been fishing before, way out in the middle of nowhere, and a storm pops up, you just need to find a way to get out of there. Because if you ever drove on a boat before in the pouring rain, and you're going as fast as the boat can, hurt, uh, can go, that hurts. Those raindrops hurt. And so, um, so the disciples, they're just crossing the lake after the church meeting, it was supposed to be an easy ride, and now they wind up in the middle of a storm. And this is pretty unfortunate because they were just doing what Jesus told them to do. Now, for some of you, this is puzzling because Jesus told them to do it, and if Jesus told them to do this, then Jesus should have known there was going to be a storm coming. Am I right? Because he's kind of God, you know. And if you're God, you're supposed to know everything. And by the way, if you're God, you could probably stop it before it happens. But the disciples, they're just doing what Jesus said. Jesus said, hey, I'll close out the meeting and clean up and tell everyone goodbye. Y'all get on the boat and head across the lake. I'll catch you there in the morning. Simple instructions, jump on the boat, let's go. And so now, though, they're in the middle of the lake, and they're in the middle of the storm. And I want you to know today that sometimes when you do what God wants you to do, you can still wind up in a storm. Okay? There's this thought that if, if God asks me to do something, then he is going to make everything perfect for me. And I just want you to know that God loves you enough and so much more than what you can calculate that he's not going to make it perfect for you because if he makes it perfect for you, you're never going to last. And, and this is an issue that we're seeing with people is that they have created a belief system that God's job is to make them happy, to make their wishes come true, to make everything so perfect that they don't have to worry about anything. And I, would, I just want you to know that God's not trying to put you in a place that you don't have to worry about something, but he will put you in the place that you have to trust him for everything. And there is such a conflict because we just think in God's love and kindness that he would never let anything happen to us. And I, I, I think about my childhood growing up because my parents raised me different. I don't know about y'all, 
but my parents raised us from the generation of like they didn't put the little the little protective things over the outlet. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I'm glad we do that, by the way, because some of us, we needed that, okay? But it was always the thought, don't play with that. If you do, you get electrocuted. And then if you did play with it and got electrocuted, they say something like this. That's good for you. I bet you're never going to do it again. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you are twitching right now, and you think, oh, God, Pastor Wade, that is traumatic. You need counseling. You need therapy. I'm going to tell you, I need a lot. I need a lot more than that. It was just different. And sometimes, though, we're in the place of categorizing God as someone who doesn't let anything bad ever happen to us. And what's so conflicting about that is I've been following Jesus for a little while, y'all, and I've encountered some things in my life that just, I I wouldn't have put that on the script. Can I get an amen? Amen. And it doesn't mean that God didn't love me. It doesn't mean that God didn't care for me. It just meant that I had to trust and rely on him the whole time as I went through it. Amen? Anybody know what I'm talking about in here? And I think it's very important that we present that because we do have people that believe that God's not going to let anything bad ever, ever happen to me. But this is something that I've learned through the things that I've had to walk through. There's a lot that I did not know that I was capable of until I went through that. I did not know that I had those types of skills until I went through that. And I'm not asking for it. It's not like I'm standing up here today saying, hey, Lord, give me a little bit extra trouble so that I can figure out what I got. Like, I'm not signing up for that. But as I've walked through it, there are some things that the Lord has helped me to see about myself some good things, and also some not-so-good things. Can I get an amen? Some attitude issues, some behavioral problems. (laughs) And so he's able to bring out some good and help me get rid of some of the not-so-good in my life through those situations. And sometimes it's just being able to see that God in his love knows exactly what we need, how we need it, what we need to do, how it needs to happen for us to become the very people that he has created us to be, amen? And so this brings about the question, do we really trust him or do we have to be in control of it all and tell God how we need him to do it? And that can sound a little bit in your face, but in reality, we must remember that God is sovereign. So like God's not going to step off the throne so that you can do it the way you want. God's like, if you do it the way you want, we're all in trouble. We're all in trouble. Look at your neighbor and tell him, don't do that. Don't do that. Sometimes we don't look at storms with the right perspective. Um, Like this, if you have outdoor plans, a storm can cancel those plans for you. You ever plan that beach vacation? It just rained the entire week. Just a whole entire week. And you know what that means, huh? That means you just spend a lot of money. That's what happens. Because you got all those people with you that are bored. And you got to find something. And it's amazing the price that we pay just to get people to stop complaining. (laughs) Summer's coming. I'm helping you. Um, Let's talk about another perspective of storms. Uh, If you're afraid of bad weather, uh, a storm can really freak you out if you're afraid of it. But if you want like a day of rest, 
You ever had a day where it's like, I have nothing to do. I'm just going to lay here on the couch all day. I don't have those days, but when I do, it's like, man, I would love for it just to rain today. Right? Or how about this perspective? What if you're a farmer and you plant your crops? When it's storming outside, you're not mad about it. You're thankful for it. Because that storm is necessary for all of the seeds that you have planted in the ground. And I just want that to set for a second because there are things that you've been doing as an investment. There are things that you've been doing, seeds that you have planted in your life, in your children, in your marriage, in your business. But then it seems like just as you're trying to take a step forward, there's a storm that comes into your life. And now it's got you all worked up because it's a storm. But if you looked at it from the perspective of the farmer who planted the seed, the storm doesn't shake you quite as much. You're actually thankful because the rain from the storm is necessary for the seed to grow. Somebody's getting a whole new perspective right now of the storm that they're walking through because it's actually a good thing. And storms can be a good thing. And what's so, what's so incredible about this story is that this looks like a really bad thing for the disciples because they're in the middle of this lake, they're on the water, and it's in the middle of the night. And I am pretty sure that there was no lighting on that boat. I'm pretty sure they didn't have an Evan Rood on the back. I'm pretty sure that there was no interstate battery with lighting and everything. They're in the dark, and the best they got is probably a torch and a lantern. That's it, and it's raining, and you know what that means. I can't see anything. The waves are throwing this boat around. It's pouring down rain. And you know, you put a group of guys together on a boat, they're going to complain about somebody else on the boat who is doing nothing. Amen? Okay. I just want to make sure I've been on the right boat with the right people sometimes. Okay. And so this is the part that I heard this, this past week that I want to share with you. It looks like they're in the middle of this storm, but when you look at the stories, they're actually in between two miracles. It, it's, and this is what's so difficult because it looks like Jesus has abandoned them and they're stuck in the middle of this mess all by themselves. But they're just following instructions. They're in the middle of a storm. But don't forget where they came from because it was just a while ago that they saw Jesus take five loaves and two fish from a little boy and multiply and feed a multitude of people, okay? They got to experience that, can't wrap their mind around it. Oh, and by the way, they took home 12 basketful of leftover food. Uh, you, you know what I'm talking about? The leftover little butter pail, you know what I'm saying? The What is that, the country crock spread? They put all the leftovers in there and sent it home with them. Don't open that up thinking that's butter. That's not butter. That's leftovers, okay? I like it. So they are just coming out of this miracle blessed. Just coming out of that season, it was just a blessing. And now they're following Jesus' instruction. Jesus, I'm going to follow you and live out your plans for my life. And they're just doing this. And then they wind up in the middle of the lake, in the middle of a storm. And it's kind of like, Jesus, where are you? How can you let this happen 
to us. And it's the thought that they really thought they were going to die, even though Jesus told them to go that way. And it's amazing what storms can do to us. And it's amazing what happens to us in the middle. Because when we're in the middle of some situations, we begin to interpret some things with all the extremes. I'm in the middle of the lake. Jesus just told us to go across. Now I'm in the middle of the lake. Oh, great, Jesus. You sent us out here to die. Actually, I tried to get you to go ahead of me because tomorrow we got a big day. But they went from miracle and they're going to another miracle and all they can think is, Jesus, you abandoned us. Send us out here to die. I can't believe you did it. Jesus, you're going to have to use better judgment. Your planning is a little off. And, and I'm being a little facetious, but I'm talking about the extremes that we go to when we're in the middle of something. It's amazing how the fear factor just elevates when we're in those unfamiliar places and things are happening to us that is like, what in the world is going on? It's amazing how that fear factor just elevates and causes us to begin to interpret everything with extremes. You ever been there before? Like, well, like one thing happens and it's like, oh no, it's a sign. This is it. This is the beginning. Well, no, it's not a sign. It's just something that happened. But because of some of the emotional quotient of the whole entire process, we begin to interpret through this. And what happens whenever you've lived a life early on and you were in the middle of some things and you had to figure out how to rescue yourself, now the next thing that happens, you're interpreting it through everything wrong that happened to you before. And you know what? I could understand that. But what happens when you're coming from a miracle and you're going somewhere? It's almost like how could you misinterpret thinking that Jesus, the Son of God, just worked this miracle, fed 5,000, now he's sending you to the next town where they're about to work some more miracles, and he told you to go to the other side, and he said, like, I'm going to meet you there. If he says, I'm going to meet you there, and Jesus is God, I'm pretty sure he's going to meet you there. But the storm speaks. Y'all remember earlier this week, 4.45 a.m.? <laughs> How many of y'all had that little episode happen? Ella Pearl thought it was a tornado warning. <laughs> Clear skies out there, y'all. <laughs> but when you hear that, it just alerts you. High alert. I don't know what it is. Something's happening. Something bad's happening. Well, now we know what happened. Somebody just got off schedule somebody's job hunting this week <laughs> uh, how many of y'all were shook all day after that man it was 4 45 p.m and I was like tired because I didn't go to sleep after that something about storms though can do this to you it will startle you and mess with you and make you begin to interpret that the worst is happening. That's what blows my mind about storms here. Even when we lived in Louisiana, I could never figure out why people were panicking about storms. It does this all the time. This summer, you're going to get an afternoon thunderstorm probably with 60 mile an hour winds at least once. Call me prophetic or call me somebody who's lived here a little while. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. And so when it does happen, it doesn't need to freak you out. It just means 
hey, we need to come over here and be safe. But when you're in the middle of a storm, it doesn't make you feel that way. You start evacuating. You start running for your life. Children screaming, cable vision going out, no Wi-Fi, nothing. The whole nine yards is happening, and we're just panicking because the storm is speaking to us. And when I look at this story right here, the storm started speaking to them, and they begin to misinterpret things. And Jesus sees them from the place that he's praying. Jesus sees them and decides to go walk out on the lake. And somebody needs to hear that today because you think Jesus ain't even paying attention to you. He sees what's going on. He sees you where you're at. And so he goes and he's walking out on the lake. And I love it. Messes with you a little bit. He intended to walk right past them. Jesus, where are you going? Right? Where are you going, Jesus? You're supposed to come over here and get in the boat. There are some parents in here as your kids grew up and became more independent. And they started going different places. You were undercover driving around checking on them to see where they're at how many how many parents in here working the life 360 app come on let me see that hand let me see that hand hey man we work it man 360 i'm gonna see where you at i'm gonna see how fast you are driving uh 56 in the neighborhood 56 in the neighborhood come on don't act like you never did it Start coming down on the preacher's kids. You were doing 57. Sneaking up on them, though, just kind of like back in the day, the way the parents uh, were checking up on you, this was back in the day when we had landline phones. And you ever on the phone, like with your girlfriend or your boyfriend or something, and you heard that little click? You know what that click means? For some of y'all, you, you grew up in the cell phone era. You don't know what we're talking about. You hear the click, somebody's on the other line listening. You better watch everything you say. Start bragging about mom and dad. Hey, did I ever tell you how great my parents were? And then as soon as you do that, you hear another click. He's like, okay, they off. Where were we now? Tell me how beautiful my eyes are. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about, though, like where, where, where you want to just check on things, just kind of like peeking through to see what's going on over there. What are they talking about? What are they up to? And when I look at the story, it's almost like Jesus is just he intended to walk by. Oh, we're not going to stop at their house. We're just going to pass by. You ever did that before? just gonna we're just gonna we're not gonna stop we're gonna pass by just to see what's happening that's what I thought when I first read this Jesus he's not stopping just passing by to see what's going on and when they see him watch this because the storm has them thrown off and they're misinterpreting things when they see Jesus they don't see him as Jesus watch this they think he's a ghost they misinterpret because of the storm who Jesus is he doesn't look the same. It, it, it's, it's, it's not who I thought he was. He's not handling this the way I thought he was going to handle this. And so when they see him, instead of seeing Jesus, they just see a ghost. And so because they're so worked up about this, they're calling out to the ghost. And how many times in the middle of the storm where we got so desperate, instead of calling out to God, we started calling out to these things that ain't even real just because we were desperate for help. 
I'll do anything right now at this point. My kids are so crazy, I'll just do anything. I don't believe in it, but we're going to try it. Ghost stories. And it's scary, am I right? The things that we will do whenever we're desperate. The things that a storm can make you do when you're desperate. When I look at this storm, God didn't send the storm, but he did send the disciples. But it was just on their way that they encountered this. And there's people in here today that's in some storms. You're in the middle of it. You're in the middle of a storm that you didn't see coming. There's some people here today that you're in the middle of a storm because of a decision that you made. It's not that God sent in a storm to get your attention. He could, but you created this storm. And some of y'all are thinking about some people right now. It's like, "Mm mm-hmm, preach that. Tell them, because they made that mess, not me. Because sometimes you can make some decisions that will set you up and position you perfectly in the middle of a storm. Some people here today, you're in the middle of a storm because you obeyed God. You just obeyed God and said, let's do it, Lord, let's go. And as soon as you stepped into it, it started pouring down rain. And everything in you now is questioning, was this what we were supposed to do? Maybe we should go back. Maybe we should quit. Maybe we should throw in the towel and try to do something else. But just because it's raining doesn't mean that it's over. Maybe this is the opportunity for growth. Amen? Someone here today is in a storm that's caused by somebody else. Someone else made some decision, and it has a direct effect on your life. And there is no doubt that all of us, we want a storm-free forecast for our lives. Am I right? I mean, storm-free. I want my life to feel like a vacation, Pastor Wade. Don't get a whole lot done on vacation, though. You ever go on vacation and come back and you start thinking, man, I need to make some changes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm I'm getting a gym. We're going to clean up the yard. Cut that tree down, man. I'm tired of that tree. Like, where did you come up with that? At the beach. Am I right? And if you're like me, that's what happens to me, man. I go on vacation. I come back. Like, the first thing I do when I get back, you know what it is? Cut my yard. Ask Cynthia. Jump on the moor and cut the yard. I'm like, why do you do that? I have no idea. I just feel like I need to do so. I need to do something. I need to do something with my life. But we want this storm-free forecast. But I want you to know there's a lesson in the middle of the storm. You can go to school in the middle. I almost called this sermon middle school today. But Elijah told me not to. He said it would be cheesy, so I didn't do that. (laughs) But there are some things that you can learn in the middle of the storm. So I'm going to give you a few points, some wisdom from the middle. Wisdom from the middle. Number one, when you're in the middle of what God wants you to do, Satan will try to confuse you. Okay? Satan will try to take advantage of your fear and make you think that God has forgotten you. That's how he works, man. And watch this. Whether you're in the middle of a storm or in the middle of paradise, Satan will still try to deceive you. Go back to the Garden of Eden. They were in paradise. And guess what? Satan was trying to deceive the man and the woman. 
They were in the middle of paradise. And Satan came to try to deceive. He will tempt you. He will scare you. He will stress you out all to get you away from what God wants for you. And we've got to be smart enough to recognize that stuff. That whenever you feel like running from where God wants you to go, that there is an enemy that is involved that is trying to twist your mind, play with your emotions to get you to walk away from the very thing that God is trying to take you to. It happens all the time, and we just have to be aware of it, okay? And I would just say this. If you're in the middle of what God wants you to do, keep rowing. Those guys on that boat, you know what they should do in the middle of the storm? Just keep rowing. Just keep going. Stay the course. Here's the second thing. When you're in the middle of something you're not supposed to do, God will convict you. If you're in the middle of something you're not supposed to do today, those feelings that you have, that is called conviction. Where you start questioning, should I continue to do this? That is the Holy Spirit that is knocking on your door and trying to give you the heads up that if you keep going in this direction, you think the storm you're in now is bad. You're going further and further into the middle of a supercell if you keep going. And God loves you enough that he sends the Holy Spirit to come and act as a convictor to get you out of there. Amen? To get you to change course so that you don't continue on the path that you're on. And there are people in here that are in the middle of things that they have no business being in the middle of. Amen? There are people in here today, you're in the middle of someone else's drama and you are not supposed to be in there, but you've done inserted yourself and your opinion and I believe the Lord is trying to talk to you today and he's saying, get out of there. Look at your neighbor now and tell him, get out of there. Somebody like, I've been waiting to tell him that for the longest. <laughs> There's people that are in the middle of a sin that they have excused that the Lord has convicted you of, that you keep trying to compromise on, and you still, you, you're fighting harder to compromise than you are to get set free from it. Amen? And some of that stuff that you're feeling right now, you say, oh, no guilt, no shame on me, I'm under the blood. Some of that is the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and you ain't going to get free until you say, okay, Lord, let's do this different. Amen? That might be a little old school preaching, but somebody needs to hear this because you're playing with fire. Come on now. I believe the Holy Spirit is convicting you to stop. Not justify it, but stop it. Amen? And it's like God in all of his love and his kindness is just saying, hey, I got better for you than that. Why are you settling, playing with this stuff? Get out of there. Amen? So if you're in the middle of something you shouldn't be doing, it's time to repent. And repent is make a change. And change starts with the mind. I'm going to change my mind about this. You think it's right? i got to change my mind and say it's wrong. But I like it. It's still wrong even if you like it. It makes me feel good. It's still wrong even if it makes you feel good. Let's stop justifying it before we wind up in the middle of so much mess. Come on. And turn to the Lord. So if you're in the middle of something you're not supposed to do, God's probably convicting you. Here's the next one. When you're in the middle of something you didn't see coming, God will come to you. God will come 
to you. But this is where we've got to call out to him. When's the last time you called out to him? In the middle of all your fears, in the middle of all of your misinterpretations because of the storm that you're in, because of what you're going through right now in your life, when's the last time you called out to him and just said, God, I need you because what I've been doing isn't working. I need you to help me through this. When's the last time you called out to him? And I just believe if we spent more time calling out to him than we do complaining about it, we would see better results. Amen? Amen? Anybody complaining a little bit much these days? Anybody know somebody has got just, all they got is complaints coming out and just like, God bless her. I just want to lift her up to the Lord. And really what you want to say is some other stuff. But the Lord's convicting you about it so you don't say it because you don't want to wind up in the middle of the drama. It's smart. That's wisdom. I want to remind you, though, he sees you. He sees where you're at. Call out to him. You say, is it that simple? It is that simple. If I jumped on the phone right now and called my dad, my mom, I need you now. I don't have to give details. They're loading up the Camry, and they're coming. They're coming. All it takes is a call. And I believe we're in a generation that wants God to call us but we need to be the generation that's calling him. Amen. We want to know our calling. And he's like, I just want you to call me. When's the last time that you called out to him? Because he will come to you. Number four, when you're in the middle of something, God is cultivating something in you. He's cultivating something in you. I heard something in this one message and I got to share it with you. Because then when we're in the middle of this stuff, you know what we try to do? We try to take control. But notice what Jesus told him. Take courage. And the thing about courage is this. You don't just snap your finger and all of a sudden you have courage. It's never worked like that for me. Courage is always developed through little things. Not in the middle of the big thing. It was a series of small things where I had to do it afraid where I had to do it anyway, even though I was uncomfortable. Even though I didn't like the way I felt, I did it anyway. That's, that's where courage is developed. So that when I wind up in the middle of something that's just chaotic, some of us, we don't know how we're going to be. And we say, oh, if I just wound up in something like that, I would fall to a million pieces. Are you predicting your pattern? Like, think about that. Are we just announcing how we've been? Are we willing to go through a process of development where the Lord will take us through some things to help us get some little victories to set us up for the big victories? See, we want him to come be our champion while we acting like chumps. I don't mean to have an attitude about it, but I've sat with so many people and have counseled so many people that want to get through some things and they act as though God's not doing His part. And He's doing His part. It's that we just want to sit in the back seat eating sunflower seeds and scrolling through our phones when God's trying to help you to see this is the way. You need to pay attention on this road because you're going to drive this way again. And next time you come through here, you need to know where you're going. 
See, a lot of times I think it's an attention problem. We're just not giving God our attention. And because we're not giving him our attention, we're not learning anything. And so we got to take the test over and over and over and over. And we've tried that whole thing, mama, I don't like this teacher kind of thing. But now we've been through several different teachers and I think we found what the problem is. Amen? Amen? And some of you are paying way too much for that education that you can get for free if you just pay attention. What is God trying to develop in you through the things that you're walking through today? What is he trying to develop in you? Maybe you're a student right now, and this is like it's coming to the end of the school year, and you are like in panic mode because this semester you decided to take it a little easy. You decided this is going to be fun. And maybe you're a senior. It's like, I'm entitled to this. But now it's like, oh, my goodness, because my transcript ain't looking good. And you're begging teachers. Give me extra credit. Give me extra. And God bless the teachers that give extra credit because God knows your pastor needed it. Amen. Anybody else in here needed the extra credit? Come on, wave at me. Just show me some love. Thank you, Jesus. So don't freak out on your kids when they need it. Got it from you. <laughs> but thank the Lord for the teachers that give extra credit. And God bless the teachers that say, no, I don't give extra credit. The mercy you give to others will be the mercy. Sh anyway, let's come back to this. Let's come back. That's out of line. The Lord convicted me. I'm in the middle of a storm now. God help me. I just learned. Don't say that. <laughs> what is God trying to develop in us through this stuff? Right? It's like having a child and it's, son, I could do this for you or I could help you do it so that you learn and you can take care of it. What is God trying to teach us? What is he trying to develop in you? Perhaps that your kids are going to need and you just didn't look at it like that because you wanted a storm-free forecast and this is ruining your vacation life. So this is what we want. We want out of this. Lord, I want out. Get me out of here. Move me, Lord. Bless me. Transport me. But God wants to do something in he wants to do something in. Maybe it's faith that he's developing. Maybe it's wisdom. Maybe he's trying to develop some wisdom in you because he knows down the road there's a decision that you're going to have to make. And by going through this, you've learned some things. You've gained some wisdom that sets you up. So when that decision comes, you're not freaking out about it. You say, wait a minute. Watch this. It's like David when he, fought, when he fought Goliath. Remember what he said? I remember fighting the lion. I took care of him. I remember fighting the bear. I took care of him. And he just tells Goliath, a little trash talk, just like I took care of them, I'm going to take care of you too. Where did that come from? It didn't come the day he stepped out there to go fight Goliath. This happened a long time ago when he said, you're not taking my father's sheep. I will fight you, lion. 
and I'll probably tell all my friends about it. And then fight the bear. He's had some small victories that set him up for the big ones. Good thing he didn't just run. He fought. Think of this. Athletes lift weights to get stronger. Right? And we pray all the time, God, give me strength. God, give me strength. Probably the top 10 prayer requests of all time. I've been pastoring this church for a little over 11 years. The number one most requested thing that people ask me to pray for them is strength. Give me strength. Give me strength. Give me strength. Give me strength. But the one thing that you need when you're asking for strength is this thing called conditioning. Because strength can make you strong for a moment, but conditioning can help you to last for a long time. Conditioning. And conditioning is it's giving yourself to a process of walking through some struggles so that when it's game time, you don't get tired. Ask people how they're doing today. Two answers. I'm busy and I'm tired. Isn't it something? Someone asks you how you're doing. Oh, man, been busy. Yeah, I know. We do, too. We got a lot going on. I'm just tired. Just tired. What's going on with us, y'all? Like, think of this. What, what is going on with us where we feel like we're constantly in a storm? Like, you've been talking about the same storm for the last seven years. Oh, Pastor Wade, I always feel like I'm in the middle of it. Really? Maybe there's something God's trying to do in you that you just are not accepting, just not allowing. But I can tell you this, when those disciples made it to that other side, you notice the number of miracles that begin to happen because it wasn't just Jesus rolling with the faith. Now it's his whole entire team that's rolling with the faith. Jesus, we get them too. See that guy down that road over there? He, he looks like, I don't know who he is, but he just looked like he needs a miracle. I'm gonna go get him and bring him and you could touch him and heal him. There was like a new energy. There was like a drive that came over them. And I just have to think when they got on the boat to go to the other side, they didn't have that when they started. Where did they get it from? It was in the middle. Because when Jesus got on the boat, that's where they recognized, this guy is the real deal. I would have been convinced whenever he took the boys' lunch and fed everybody. At least I think I would have. But they still were like trying to figure it out. But when Jesus got on the boat with them and stopped the storm, they just thought, this guy is the real deal. Whatever he says, whatever he does, that's what I'm going to do. I'm rolling with you, Jesus, because you know what is happening. They get on the other side. Miracles like crazy. What are you in the middle of today? Maybe you're that person that's in the middle of something you have no business in. Today is time. You got to get out of there. You got to repent of that sin. You got to turn away from it. If it's alcohol, you got to leave it like it's killing you. You can't play with that and get all social with it. Uh uh. If it's ruining your life, get away from it. Amen? Come on, don't argue with me. I've seen it ruin too many people's lives. Amen? Why do we play with stuff God's trying to deliver us from? Amen? Some of you, you're, God puts you in the middle of it because it's what you're supposed to do, and it's hard. 
This is harder than what I thought it was going to be. And you've, tr- you've done created evacuation plans. Come on. You got your little weather radio. You got your backup generator. You got all these things. Because all you know is that we are getting out of here. And you were not supposed to evacuate. You're supposed to stay in it. You're in the middle of it today. What are you getting out of it? When Jacob wrestled the angel, one of the Old Testament stories, when he wrestled with this angel of God, all he wanted was to be blessed. And the angel taps out and says, okay, you won. And Jacob said, "Uh uh-uh, we're not finished. I'm not letting go of you until you bless me. And that's got to be the tenacity that we have with God. God, uh uh-uh, we're going to get through this. I am holding on through this crazy storm and I'm not letting go because I believe you got something for me, something you're trying to work in me, something you're trying to develop in me. I'm not letting go of you. It's this tenacity. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're that person today and you're away from God and you heard this message today and it's almost like the Lord tapped you on the shoulder and said, it's time for you to change. It's time for you to surrender your life to Jesus and follow him instead of just running around trying to find the options. And if you're here today and you're away from Jesus, you need to surrender your life to the Lord completely. Maybe you have a church background and you would consider yourself religious, but it's storming in your life because of sin. See, religion couldn't save you. All it tried to do was put a nice, pretty cover on it to make you look like you were better while on the inside, you were falling apart. Maybe you have no church background, but you know God is tugging on your heart today. And you know it's time to make some changes in your life. If that's you, I want you to lift a hand in this room today. Time to repent. Time to make a change. Anyone else? You've been living in stuff you have no business living in. Anyone else? Anyone else? Raise their hand. Maybe you're watching online. You couldn't. You said, I ain't going to church today because I don't want anybody to think anything's wrong with me. But the Lord found you in the living room. Anyone else? So I got to make some changes in my life. Amen. I want to lead you in a prayer this morning. Nothing special about the prayer. It's just introducing you to Jesus and you making that commitment to follow him. Repeat this prayer out loud after me. Say, dear Lord, thank you for loving me so much. Thank you that you see right where I'm at. That you have come to save me. I'm calling out to you today. I need you to save me. I need to change some things in my life. I've tried to change, but it's not working. So I'm calling out to you. And I ask you to change my life. I ask you to forgive my sins, to wash me clean and make me a new person. I commit my life to you. And I confess now that you are my Lord, you are my Savior. I put my trust in you and I commit to following you. I'm all yours, Lord. I will live my life 
your way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen and amen. I want you to know it's not just get saved. It's follow Jesus. I know so many people get saved to feel better about their sin. But Jesus called us to follow him. And I want to invite you, if you don't have a church family, come follow Jesus with us. Come with us as we follow him because God's not finished with you yet. Amen. Do you believe that? If you prayed that prayer today, maybe the first time, maybe it's a recommitment. I want you to go to the hub right after service and fill out a connection card. Let us know. I want to follow up with you this week because God wants you to keep going and we want to help you to keep going. Make sure you go back there, fill that out. I do want to pray for people who are in the middle right now. Maybe you're in the middle of a storm. Maybe it's the one you caused. Maybe somebody else caused it. Or maybe you just have no clue what in the world is going on. But you know that you're in the middle of a storm. I want you to stand to your feet if that's you. Because I want to pray over you today. There's people in here. It was a health diagnosis that rocked your world. There's people in here. Something happened at work. And for whatever reason, your career could possibly be in jeopardy. Maybe you're a student and everything looked like it was lining up and out of nowhere something happened and now it looks like everything has fallen apart. Today we're going to call out to him. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord. Jesus, today, from the storm, from the middle of it, even if it's the mess we created, even if it's the mess from somebody else, even if it's an unforeseen storm, we're calling out to you from the middle of the storm. And instead of us responding with fear, we want to respond with wisdom, the wisdom that you give. Instead of responding with panic, Father, we want to see what you got, what you have for us through this. And so, Lord, today, I just pray for grace for every person that's in the middle of the storm, that they won't misinterpret what's happening, that they won't see things from the perspective of everything bad is happening, but they will see it from the perspective of, I wonder what God is doing. I wonder if God is moving me. I wonder if God's setting me up. I wonder if God's trying to work something in me for something that that, that he wants me to do. I pray, God, that we will have just a different view from the storm. I pray, Father, that we won't just be radar watching, but Father, we will be looking for you in the storms that we're facing. And God, I thank you that you can calm the storm. You can walk us through the storm. You can help us rise above the storm. You can use the storm to grow the seeds that have been planted in our lives, Father. You can use the storm to bring rest to our lives. Jesus, we're asking you to use the storm. Come on, I want you to say it. Use the storm, Jesus. If we're going to go through it, I want to get something from it. Come on, if we're going to go through it, I'm not just coming out of this with a story. There's something that you're going to develop in our lives, Jesus. Change your perspective of the storm today. God, what are you doing? What are you doing through all this? Hope. Faith grace in the storm in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning in the middle? Some of y'all feeling a little bit better about being in the middle now in the middle.